How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Matt Price. We've got Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler on board with us. And this week, we're going to be talking about third-year wide receiver breakout candidates, guys. Uh, you know, we, were, we, we can all go back to the 2014 class and know how spoiled we were with OBJ and Mike Evans and to some extent Sammy Watkins and all these other guys from that class. And they just really kind of took over year one. But that hasn't been the case lately. The, the old adage was, let's wait till year three before we give up on these guys. So uh, that's where we're going to go today. Uh, before we get to that, though, we are going to talk a little bit about what kind of the term breakout means, because it seems like this term that we kind of just throw around a little bit. Uh, and for me, I think it, it kind of is different for each player in situation. So let's go to you first, Ryan. Does, does breakout mean something specific to you? Is it, is it, is it, is it per, on a player-player basis or situation basis? Or do you just kind of like have it as like a, a certain benchmark that a player needs to hit to be considered a breakout? I don't think I personally have a, a specific benchmark that that a player needs to hit as far as a scoring level or, or rank in ADP. But I, I do, I see what you mean that it can be different for, for different wide receivers or, or maybe even there's just different levels of breakout. Uh, we'll talk about some, some of these third year wide receivers who maybe we consider them to have broken out last year. Uh, and, and now, you know, now do they take that next step? So I kind of think about it, I guess in levels, but when it comes down to it, a breakout player, I think, to me, there's two components. There's the production, and but there's also value. We've we've got some of these players who already have the dynasty value based on their college resume or their you know their draft status or something like that, but they don't have the production to go with it yet. I don't know if I would consider those breakout players. Really, if they if they do have that big season, they're just living up to uh, living up to the hype. I almost think of breakout players as sleepers, I guess. I, I guess I disagree just a little bit. You know, sleepers can be breakouts, but breakouts aren't necessarily sleepers to me. Um, I, I guess when I think of a, a breakout, it, it can be almost anyone, Matt, whether it's a guy like Corey Davis, who we're going to talk about, who who. Ryan was pretty much talking about when he when he said uh, the guys that have the high value still but haven't quite come up come through with the production. Uh, I think he could be a breakout simply by living up to that value that we've created for him. 
if you go down the list even farther, other guys in the class that, that aren't looked at as guys you build around necessarily. Um, maybe it's a guy like D.D. Westbrook or something like that. If, if he were to have uh, a big season that that is better than his year two and you know, becomes that guy in that offense that's that's looked to regularly, he could have a breakout as well. So I think there's different levels of a breakout and but but I also feel like any player can be considered a breakout no matter where they're valued at this point. Yeah, definitely. I just, you know, I think it's a little bit different for, like Ryan said, those guys that are, are maybe already have. Like, let's look at Mike Williams. I know. I mean, I know that he had the 10 touchdowns last year. We Most of us don't think that that's going to happen again. But he kind of shot up uh, based on value on that. But I don't know if you'd really call that a true breakout season. So already at wide receiver 24 in Dynasty. So, I mean, from there, like, it almost seems like he's going to have to jump into the you know, early or sorry, late, yeah, early wide receiver two, uh, late wide receiver one numbers to be considered a breakout player. It probably doesn't matter. I just thought it was kind of an interesting topic because we hear this a lot of these time of years, which players are going to break out, which players are going to bust. So I uh, just thought, wanted to get your thoughts on, on what you felt about that specific term. But let's go into it. We're, we're going to go round by round. We're going to try to cover all 32 wide receivers that were drafted in the 2017 class. We'll, we'll, we'll probably say a lot less about some of these guys that we get down to the bottom or, and maybe even some of them that, that aren't quite towards the bottom uh, but also as we talk through these players guys let's see if we can put a number on it from a scale of one to ten about how confident you are in whatever you think that the breakout is going to be so a 10 would be it's going to break out for sure maybe a one is you know closer to the bus kind of situation depending on expectations for that player currently so right at the top in the 2017 class we got Corey davis at number five overall uh in year one you know pretty modest uh pretty modest stat line there with 11 games you know he had missed some time with injury 30 four catches on 65 targets for 375 yards no touchdowns but last year he came back strong almost 900 yards all played all 16 games uh, 65 catches four touchdowns even rushed the ball a couple of times and his his july adp is wide receiver 26 or 55th overall so Dan, let's go to you first on Davis. What do you think about him uh, right now? He's kind of, uh, well, Ryan's already said that he's already the wide receiver two on his team. So is a breakout going to include for Corey Davis being the true wide receiver one on that team? And what kind of production do you think you might need to see from him to to be considered a breakout in 2019? Well, first of all, I like the jump in production from year one to year two with Davis. I I think the the masses, the the dynasty owners as a whole watched him as a rookie with with a lot of disappointment. And then he had that playoff game against the Patriots and it gave everybody hope that a big breakout was coming in year two. I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily the breakout all of us were looking for. You mentioned the jump in numbers, nearly 900 yards and, and the four touchdowns. But I think dynasty owners as a whole wanted more from Corey Davis. And I think we still do. Now, a lot of the naysayers say, man, that, if he can't do it, if he hasn't done it to this point and they drafted a guy like A.J. Brown as high as they did, maybe he's never going to do it. And and then some others like to point to Marcus Mariota's injury history and how he hasn't really settled in with Corey Davis to create that chemistry that you like to see between a quarterback and a wide receiver. I fall somewhere in the middle there. I'm I'm a little leery myself. Not only is A.J. Brown now there, but they also added Adam Humphreys to play in the slot and I don't I don't think that's something we should just gloss over. He's going to get targets and he he's going to get his chances to handle the football. Delaney Walker is also back 
as well in that offense. So there's a lot of mouths to feed in Tennessee, and that's not an offense that likes to throw the ball and get it downfield. Not certainly not one that we think uh, likes to push the ball through the air. They're they're a run first offense, and I don't know if that that's necessarily a good thing for Corey Davis. So if I had to rank him um, of between one and ten as how confident I am that a breakout is coming, I'm gonna sit right on the fence with a five, and I, I kind of think another year similar to his year two stats, maybe flirting with a thousand yards and. And five touchdowns, I think that's more likely than the 13 or 1400 yard and nine or 10 touchdowns that a lot of us want to see from Corey Davis. I think you make a, a lot of good points there on, on Davis, Dan. People talk a lot about, and he's he's been a hot topic in the in the community lately, it seems, and uh, and people are kind of split. It, as much as I do like A.J. Brown, I, I don't think... Uh, I, I don't want to be labeled as a Corey Davis hater. I still like him a lot. But you look at his usage uh, numbers from last year, and I think that's a little bit concerning. He was 11th in snap share, 8th in target share, 13th in red zone target share. And, and all of that led to a wide receiver 27 finish. And now, as you mentioned, Dan, they add A.J. Brown and, and Adam Humphreys and Walker is coming back. <laughs> we can't expect Davis to get that same usage again this season uh plus you still have the the quarterback concerns with Mariota so uh, I'm I'm not confident in a uh, a breakout for Corey Davis in 2019 either maybe uh, maybe a little more confident than you I'll I guess I'll say a, a seven for him we do have a uh, a question from Dwight Peebles, fellow DLF writer, real quick here on Davis. And he wants to know, is there something he can do that will show us the mo- that he is the most talented wide receiver in this class? Is there, I mean, what does he need to do that? Does he need to have that 1,300, 1,400-yard season? I think more than anything for me is is for him to show that like wide receiver one upside that we all saw coming out of college. So, so the guy that goes up and gets everything and the guy that's targeted 10, 11, 12 times in a, in a game when they have to throw the football, we want to see him run both short and intermediate and as well as deep routes with a little more success than we've seen to this point. You know, a a lack of electrifying plays and and big plays are, are what keeps a lot of dynasty owners from jumping on that Corey Davis bandwagon. And it certainly is the case with me. So unless those things start to change and, and part of that is the quarterback situation and and what's available to him and who's throwing him the football or who has been throwing him the football in Tennessee. I don't don't know if enough of that has changed or will change soon enough for us to, to immediately say he's that he's the top guy in that class. Yeah, I'm just assuming Dwight forgot that Juju is in this class. So um, it it pretty much is not going to happen as far as calling Davis the the best receiver in this in this class. And I mean, it's not just it's not just Smith Schuster who has proven it uh, both of both of his years in the league, but it's Mike Williams and Cooper Cup and Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay and some other guys we'll talk about. You know, Davis is. Probably not even second or third right now if you're looking just at this class alone uh, and and talking about, uh, I don't know, he mentioned being the most talented and and maybe that's separate from dynasty value a little bit. But um, yeah, right now he's he's not even close, honestly. And 
it really does come down to, to Mariota in the, in the quarterback situation. I would love to see uh, see them figure that out, see Mariota really improve this year because uh, I do like Davis and, and A.J. Brown a lot. All right, let's go over to Mike Williams. Dan, I know you were a big fan of him coming out. I assume still are. Uh, 10 games, eleven only 11 catches on 23 targets for 95 yards in year one. Again, coming off that back injury. Last year did play in all 16 games, 43 and 66 for 664 yards in that whopping 10 touchdowns. Mentioned earlier, coming in at wide receiver 24 or 50th overall in, uh, in July ADP. We'll go back to you here, Ryan, uh, talk about Mike Williams and his chances to break out in 2019. Sure. I, I like Williams quite a bit as well. He's, um, he, he was wide receiver 31 last year. Of course, a lot of that was coming from touchdown and his usage in the red zone. He had a 20%, 20% red zone target share last year. And even he was basically, uh, played about two thirds of the snaps for the chargers. Of course, they, uh, let Tyrell Williams go. It looks like Antonio Gates is gone with Hunter Henry coming back. So uh, I think we'll see Williams snaps and, and overall usage increase. Obviously we have to expect the touchdowns to, to take a dip. So I kind of see him finishing in that same, that same range, high end wide receiver three, maybe low end wide receiver two. Um, I'll, I'll go with that same score of a seven as, as far as a potential breakout. I thought the same thing. I thought about seven, and it has a lot more to do with Keenan Allen and, and like you mentioned, Hen- Hunter Henry being there. Uh, those guys are going to get a lot of targets. They're going to get their touches, and as long as Melvin Gordon reports and gets in there, he's going to get his fair share of catches as well. So, there, you know, there really isn't enough balls to go around for Mike Williams to have the – elite breakout or the huge breakout that a lot of us are hoping for. I'm kind of in the camp that Mike Williams had his breakout in year two with those 10 touchdowns and and showed that potential, you know, coming out of college, coming out of Clemson, we all liked him because he was a, was a high flyer above the rim player who could go up and get it against smaller defensive backs. And he proved that in year two in the NFL. Uh, A lot of those touchdowns came on, on, jump ball situations where Philip Rivers gave his guy a chance because he had a four or five inch, uh, uh, he had four or five inches on the defensive back. So I, I think I, I see that coming again. I, I don't really like when I hear that, it, you know, everybody kind of kind of immediately says there's no way Mike Williams can catch touch, 10 touchdowns again. I think he has a very good chance of hitting double digit touchdowns, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to catch 70 or 80 balls. He's going to have to do it with uh with a limited amount of of opportunities, limited amount of targets. I, I think he's a seven as well. I still really like his upside and really like him in that offense, especially when Phillip Rivers throwing the ball because he's that gunslinger that, that wants to throw it to his guy, even when he's covered. Yeah. I just, the touchdowns I think are going to be difficult unless the, you know, more passing, more, more touchdowns go to the passing game. Obviously we don't know what's going on with Melvin Gordon, but Hunter Henry is going to be back. And I, I have to think that, well, let me pose it to you this way, Dan. Who's more likely to get double-digit touchdowns, Mike Williams or Hunter Henry? I, th- I think it's Mike Williams. I okay. do. I, I, think it, I don't think it's in a landslide or anything like that. We've seen it from Mike Williams. Hunter Henry has had some injury problems. They're, they're uh, talked about regularly. And 
Mike Williams has already shown us what he can do. Like I said, up, up above the rim, go get it. And and I think I think Philip Rivers trusts him to be that guy again in year three. All right, let's go to the black sheep of not only three first-round wide receivers, but three in the top ten. Number nine, the Bengals took John Ross. Dynasty owners everywhere scratched their head of that, and so far we've been been pretty much right, you guys. Uh, in year one, he only had three games, two targets, and a complete goose egg, no catches. Uh, in year two, played play 13 games, so stayed a little healthier, 58 targets, 21 catches, 200 yards, and seven touchdowns. So that was the surprising number. And, and if you rem- I don't know if you guys remember, but a lot of his touchdowns, I can't remember exactly how the, the number of them, but they came in from short of close, like goal line, like within inside, inside the red zone um, kind of area of the field, not those deep touchdowns that we all expected from Ross coming out. So he's coming in a wide receiver 80 in July ADP, 192 overall. So, so this is kind of where that levels of the breakouts uh, kind of happens, I think, Dan, is because, I mean, if John Ross can finish – you know, inside the top 50 wide receivers, almost that would be uh, considered a got to be considered kind of a breakout for him, right? Yeah, I think it would if, if he if he were able to do that. But I don't know how likely that is to happen. We you know we mentioned the depth chart with those first two receivers, Corey Davis and Mike Williams. Well, John Ross has has an uphill climb to get touches and get targets as well in that offense. If if you were surprised that Mike Williams caught 10 touchdowns in his second season, you had to be shocked that John Ross caught seven. And it, like you mentioned, Matt, the way he did it was not the way uh, we all expected him to, to really do it. You know, Ross is a interesting case study, really, to me. Uh, I think it was the 4th of July. I, I was sitting by the lake and looking through some news and notes and saw that John Ross wanted to recreate himself for this season and become this different player. And I just shook my head at it. It like, that is the weirdest update I've ever seen. The, the super fast guy that really did recreate himself in his second year by catching those crossing routes and turning him into touchdowns. And now he's going to change that again. I, I just don't, it seem he seems broken to me. It's not, he wasn't a guy that I was targeting ever before. I don't think he's suddenly going to get a whole bunch of value, especially in that offense. So if I had to choose a number with John Ross, it'd be it'd be down lower than those other guys. It's a two probably that that Ross can break out. I, I get I guess if we're gonna call wide receiver forty eight a breakout, maybe it's a three or four. Yeah, Ross really feels like, or, or I guess his profile looks like the type of player we should be chasing these these top two day, top three round wide receivers who. Uh, clearly have some talent and just haven't figured it out yet. We've seen, we've seen these third year breakouts in the past couple of years. Ross's teammate uh, Tyler Boyd and, um, and Devin Funches as well, guys like that. But I, I just can't get on board. Even even with this uh, new offensive minded head coach with Zach Taylor, um, and you look at the Bengals roster, they really made no effort to upgrade over Ross. But every everything else just points in the wrong direction for him. I was I was looking especially, of course, AJ Green got hurt last year and, and missed a bunch of the season. But then at the end of the year, uh, Tyler Boyd h- had an injury and missed some time as well. I, I look back at those two games where Ross was basically had a chance to serve as the wide receiver one or as the top target for his team and. I mean, you, those were lost games for the Bengals at that point in, in week sixteen and seventeen, but. Uh, regardless, he saw 
he saw 10 targets in those two games. He caught two balls for four yards and a touchdown. And, and that's kind of, that's the epitome of his entire season that he, he did catch a touchdown, but the rest was, was just a pitiful display. Um, I'll go a little bit higher than Dan, just based on that, that first round draft capital. Uh, I'll say a, a four, but really, really just not looking good for John Ross. Yeah, it's, it's just tough because that offensive line is so bad, too, and it, they tried to fix it in the draft and got injured for the year. So uh, if they're going to recast him again, re-recast him as a deep threat, it just seems like there, there's there's a lot pointing to that not happening. And SFB, I almost took him in the 19th round just a minute ago, but I passed on him for Dawson Knox. So <laughs> that tells you how I feel about, about John Ross, at least in 2019. Um, let's move on to the second rounders then. Ryan, we'll go right back to you with Zay Jones to pick 37 in the year one, 15 games, so stayed pretty healthy. 74 targets, pretty decent target share there. 27 catches, 360 yards, 16 yards and two touchdowns. Year two, also healthy, 16 games, 102 targets, so again, pretty decent target share. Uh, 652 yards on 56 catches, and so talk about surprising number of touchdowns. Seven touchdowns for Zay, too, in year two. Coming in a wide receiver, 68 uh, 157 overall. Give us your thoughts on Zay Jones. Yeah, this is Dan's boy. So I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't start with him. But um, I, I was really impressed by Zay Jones' season last year. It really felt like he he turned things around. Not only from um, a, a disappointing rookie season, but that that bizarre uh, off field issue that he had, and, and really seemed like there was there were some major concerns with him. Um, but he he had a solid season, uh, I guess when you look at when you look at the counting stats. But to get to that wide receiver thirty five finish, he saw a, a ton of played a ton of snaps, saw a ton of targets, as you kind of mentioned. Uh, was was not very efficient with those. He had the eighty ninth eighty ninth best catch rate in the league. Uh, caught just over half the balls thrown his way, and and, and then you look at that offense. They bring in John Brown. They bring in Cole Beasley. Uh, they draft Dawson Knox, and then there's there's still concerns with Josh Allen as a passer. Uh, I, I think even in what looked like a um, like a positive all around season for for Jones, and maybe you could even argue that that he broke out a little bit last year. To me, his his value is kind of headed in the wrong direction with all of these off-season moves. Um, I'm going to say a six for Zay Jones. Yeah, I, I was the Zay Jones supporter. And even coming out of last season, I felt like he took some steps forward. Sounds like you thought the same thing, Ryan. So I I had uh, I was really looking forward to 2019 for Zay Jones. But then those off-season moves came... Uh, and you look at that depth chart and the quarterback situation, of course, Robert Foster is still there as well. And and it just doesn't point to a repeat of, of all those targets and all those snaps and all those uh, opportunities. Really, his, his opportunities spiked towards the end of last season. Uh, over the last, I think it was five games, he saw 42 targets, caught 19 of them for 260 yards. And five touchdowns. So a, a big part of that production was in the second half of the year and even even the last month of the year. But when he was seeing those nine target, 11 target games, uh, the the 
he just wasn't catching a lot of those targets. So he, he was a little inefficient when it came down to getting lots of opportunities, which is really mimics what happened in his rookie season. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see if he can, uh, he can take it to the next level. There were reports that, that he was working really hard this off season. He's trying to add a little weight, um, and, and become a little bit more physical, which could help him on the interior if he's if he's able to win that job, which may not be as likely with Cole Beasley around. Um, I'm, I'm still optimistic that Zay Jones is going to be a nice fantasy asset and really don't mind the price. We, you, you mentioned he's wide receiver 68, 157 overall. That's relatively cheap. I, I still want him on my teams as, as that bench player, that sixth or seventh wide receiver. That probably puts me as a five or a six as well on Zay Jones. But more of that has to do with the quarterback and the additions to that offense. Yeah, it's just going to be tough because, like you mentioned, all those targets there now with Brown and Beasley coming in and drafting Dawson Knox, it just seems like he's going to be the fourth, maybe the fifth option in the passing game. Uh, and that that seems to me like it's going to be less than 102 targets, unfortunately, in 2019 for Zay Jones. So he's going to have to become a lot more efficient than that 50% catch rate. Let's go to Curtis Samuel, wide receiver. Sorry, drafted at 40th overall in the in the second round of the 2017 draft. Nine games. Again, some injury issues here with this guy uh, throughout his career, really, but especially these first two seasons, and especially in year one. So only 15 catches on 26 targets, 150 yard, 115 yards, and he's that dual threat. So he got 64 yards rushing as well last year 13 games 65 targets 39 catches almost 500 yards five touchdowns and uh, eight rushes for 84 yards and two rushing touchdowns so that kind of multi-purpose threat he's definitely all the buzz this year in the offseason for dynasty owners all the way up to wide receiver 43 in july adp 93rd overall dan tell us about curtis samuel well we've talked about these other wide receivers and how they've moved down uh down cheat sheets, I guess, uh, for dynasty owners because of the additions this past off season. Meanwhile, Curtis Samuel moves up, but, but he hasn't seen any of those additions to his offense. Um, they, what Chris Hogan, uh, that's not going to scare anybody. So outside of DJ Moore, it seems like Curtis Samuel is going to be on the field regularly for the Panthers in 2019. So that's, that's why we see that spike. You mentioned the injury history. I'm still very leery of that. You know, some of his production last year came in waves. There were games when he would he would see one or two targets and follow that up with a eleven target game where where he'd catch six balls and and get into the end zone and and he'd look like he was putting things together with Cam Newton and and maybe he would take that next step and be that underneath weapon that the Panthers have looked for. Now that offense is has its fair share of weapons, so it's not like they need a number two wide receiver to to be a, a target hog. I don't know if I see that in his future. He's going to have to have to make the most of his opportunities. If if he can take that surge that he had towards the end of 2018 and, and, and that moves into 2019, I do see him have the potential for a breakout season. But if there's a breakout in this offense, it, it seems to be DJ Moore. I'll, I'll put Curtis Samuel at a six. Yeah, I like Samuel a lot. He's another player that's been uh, a hot topic in the dynasty community. And I, I know Matt Harmon and his work with Reception Perception has, has been talking Samuel up. So uh, th- there's even been 
some talk that maybe Samuel, not DJ Moore, is, is the Panthers' real top option. I'm not ready to go quite that far, but everything is looking good for him. Still only 22 years old, which is is nice as well. And Dan, you talked about adding Hogan. They, they also bring back Greg Olson, who missed uh, most of the year, but they they let Devin Funches go. So uh, maybe, maybe that balances out. I mean, Samuel missed the first... Uh, the first three or four games of last season with that heart issue and, and still was able to finish as wide receiver 47 overall. Uh, I, I looked at his numbers just in the last few weeks of the season from week 12 through week 17. He was the wide receiver 26. So I, I certainly think he can be fantasy viable and, and an option as a, as a wide receiver three or a, a flex guy. Um, I, I'm a little more confident I would say an eight for Curtis Samuel. Yeah, I lean more towards Ryan's side too. I, I, I've said this before. I just think that those guys do all, all do similar things. We, we throw in Christian McCaffrey in there too, and it's clear that these three guys are the top options. We're not really worried about Chris Hogan. We're not worried about Torrey Smith, uh, and there's really not anybody else. The rookie Terry Godwin. So uh, outside of Olson, if he comes back to life, or Ian Thomas, you know, these are the two guys that I think are going to be there. So I think it, it's it, you know all relying on Cam's shoulder, but there's a real chance I think we see two thousand yard receivers, or at least for Samuel, a thousand yards uh, combined from scrimmage with these rushing opportunities as well. So uh, I'd be closer to that eight number as well. All right, Ryan, let's get to it. Juju Smith-Schuster. Here we are, uh, second rounder at pick 62 overall. He's been blowing it up. We don't even need to go over the stats here. 900 yards his first year, 1,400 yards last year. Just does it all for the Steelers. Wide receiver four in ADP in July and eighth overall. Uh, I don't know how much more you can say about Juju, but let's, let's, let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't in this in the scope of this conversation of yeah. looking looking for breakouts. Uh, there, there's not much to say. Obviously, he broke out his rookie season. He was wide receiver 22 as a rookie. Um, people were still doubting, uh, and wide receiver eight last year. I think people are still doubting in, from the standpoint of can he take over that AB role? Can he be the wide receiver one? Uh, I, I don't really have any doubts. They're going to throw the ball a ton. They lost Brown. They lost Bell. Uh, and, and there's uh, 33% of the targets from last year's team gone. Uh, 48% of the air yards gone. That's from that. Those numbers are from um, Roto World. I mean, it's it's like all systems go with Juju. He's 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 wide receiver one. Yeah, and, and Antonio Brown leaving, that left 168 targets and 104 catches for almost 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns. I, I don't know if the production is going to spike in a big way with the catches and the yards for Juju because he, he was so productive last year already uh, catching 111 passes for 1,426 yards. But I think where the production could spike is with the touchdowns. He he could find his way into the end zone a few more times, and that's that's the reason that he has a little bit more breakout left, despite breaking out so big as a rookie and then taking the next step in 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 the on the breakout ladder in year two. I think there's one more step, and that that's to hit double digit touchdowns, and I, I don't doubt him at all. So I, I don't know if Juju's the wide receiver one for me, but he's definitely a top top four guy uh, and he's wide receiver four in our in our uh, ADP right now he's right where he belongs at, at the top of drafts 
Yeah, I think most of the argument against him is that he's already got 166 targets, and how is he going to go higher than that? But, you know, <laughs> like like you said, unless James Washington, Deontay Thomas, uh, Vance McDonald, they all, you know, get a ton more targets, it's not inconceivable that Juju jumps up to 180. You know, we've seen receivers get 200 targets before. I'm not necessarily sure he would get there, but I think he could definitely gain more than 166 next year. So wide receiver one in 2019. Let's do it, Juju. That's the only way you're breaking out, buddy. Uh, let's go to the third round, and we'll go back to you, Dan, with Cooper Cup, 69th overall. Year one, he, uh, he, he showed up, man. 15 games, 94 targets, 62 catches, 869 yards, and five touchdowns. Last year, that horrible knee injury hit about halfway through the season. But, uh, you know, he was on a tear again with 40 out of 55 catches, 566 yards, six touchdowns, and threw in a few rushes too. Uh, so even despite that injury, you know, dynasty owners have, have definitely responded to his production the first two years, all the way up at wide receiver 21 in July ADP, 43rd overall. Yeah, and there's room to grow for Cooper Cup. I'm, I'm on board, officially on board, the Cooper Cup bandwagon. Uh, he was on pace for like 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. That would have been a massive season. His breakout was halfway through and it just got delayed for a year. I, I think if there's anybody on this list who should garner a 10 for a breakout, it's Cooper Cup. Because despite the the offense that he plays in and, the, and that depth chart, which is full of talented players, the running backs like Todd Gurley and Daryl Henderson and, and Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods are, of course, there. Cooper Cup is a different being in that offense playing in the slot he's all over the place uh, a, a reliable guy for Jared Goff and it seems like that that offense is even better when Cooper Cup is on the field so I'm not I'm not at all leery about the injury with Cooper Cup uh, a lot of guys seem to be just because it it did put a halt to that season uh, a productive season but but put a smashing halt to it and there there was worry of of it happening once again or something like that uh, in that offense with that quarterback, that coach and, and the other weapons around him, they can't focus on, on cup on the inside and nobody's going to be able to, I, I'm going to give Cooper cup a 10. He's the guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't even want to give Cooper cup a score, honestly, because I feel just like Juju, I feel like he's already broken out. Um, he, he was wide receiver 25 as a, as a rookie right behind Juju. And honestly, he was on his, uh, on pace to, finish uh, in that range again or, or even higher um, last year before that knee injury. The, the really interesting thing, looking at his ADP over the past several months, his ADP actually climbed after the injury. Um, his, his current ADP of wide receiver 21 is, uh, is nearly the highest it's been, you know, throughout, throughout his career. And, from se- in September of last year, he was wide receiver 31. August, he jumps up to wide receiver 21, and he's essentially maintained that ever since. So that's I thought that was interesting. I thought part of that was a product of not only the way he started the season, but also the way the Rams played after he went out. They were they were not the same team, um, and you know now we we talk a lot about the Todd Gurley knee injury and and how that kind of derailed. Um, their Super Bowl hopes and and whatever you want to say, but they certainly were not the same team after they lost Cooper Cup. So I I think he's already broken out. He's already there. 
Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I agree with you guys. He's my boy. Uh, I won't, I won't wax poetic on him for, for any amount of time. You guys know how I feel about Cooper Cup. Let's move on. Seventy-two. We, we don't really need to say a whole lot about this guy, Ryan. I know he was, he was one of your. I don't know if he's a favorite, but you definitely like Taewon Taylor. Uh, 16 games in, in his year one, 28 targets, 16 catches, 231 yards and a touchdown. And uh, year two, 13 games. Uh, went up a little bit, almost doubled his yard. Uh, did double his yardage, honestly. Up to 56 targets, 37 catches, 466 yards and a touchdown. However, uh, he was only drafted in one out of six mocks, Ryan. Uh, was, that, was that you? 268 overall? Yeah, in, in July ADP, uh, let us know what you think there. Yeah, it probably was me, and um, yeah, this this one hurts because I was a big uh, Taewon Taylor fan this time last year. Really felt like a breakout was coming for him in 2018. That didn't happen. We've talked a lot about the Titans' offense, so whether we want to place that on Taylor or uh, on the offense in general or, or on Mariota, it, honestly, it doesn't really matter because at this point they brought in Brown, they brought in Humphrey. Those guys are both just going to knock, uh, knock Taylor down. And uh, you know, with, with that depth chart, that offense, they're going to be run heavy. It's, it's hard to even justify having him on a dynasty roster at this point. Uh, I was checking out ADP and it's, it's really interesting that his high mark in Dynasty ADP was actually December of last year. So after he kind of got through that that disappointing season, he was up to wide receiver 57 overall, which made very little sense. Now he's at wide receiver 111, which is his low mark. So in the past seven months, just over the off season, uh, he has lost all of his value. I hope you know nobody bought him in December because holy crap, that's a that's quite a fall. Yeah, and and it's a fall that really should have come with with the drafting of AJ Brown and the addition of Adam Humphreys. I don't think I have a whole lot more to add to that. It, on top of not being worthy of a roster spot for most, the chance of a of a dynasty breakout are slim to none at this point. Maybe the best chance that Taewon Taylor has is to is to find his way onto another team and get a fresh start. Maybe somewhere that needs that slot guy that that he can get a second chance at at that first impression. All right, let's move on to. Chris Godwin, another guy, a lot of buzz this offseason for, for good reason. At pick 84 in the third round, 34 catches on 55 targets, 525 yards on a touchdown in year one, played all 16 games, also all 16 games in year two, jumped way up in targets to 95, got 842 yards on 59 catches and seven touchdowns. Expectations are sky high this year, Dan, all the way up to wide receiver 19 in July ADP, 40th overall, so uh, it's almost like this is one of those guys we were talking about where where he's our, the dynasty value is already there, but we need to see this breakout happen. Yeah, we got to see the breakout. And I, I think it's more likely than some of the other guys that we've talked about. I, I mean, outside of Mike Evans and O.J. Howard, there is a need for another pass catcher, uh, another playmaker in the offense. So with Jameis Winston under center, uh, there, there are some questions, of course, uh, considering – you know how uh, his lack of uh, lack of passing and la- lack of accuracy in the passing game, but it it, it went weather- relatively well for Godwin last year. Um, now, of course, Deshaun Jackson isn't there, so uh, subtract or addition by subtraction as as far as Godwin goes. And I think the chances for him to make a relatively big leap as far as statistically are relatively good. I, I would call him a seven, maybe an eight 
I really like the chances of Godwin making making a leap this year, especially considering the quarterback change, the offense that Bruce Arians is going to install there. There's a good chance he he uh, takes the next step forward for dynasty owners. Yeah, I'm really excited about Chris Godwin this season. It's it seems like almost everybody is. You mentioned his ADP of wide receiver 19. That's the highest in his career. But I feel like the breakout's already started. He was wide receiver 26 last year, right? That's He finished ahead of Corey Davis, ahead of Mike Williams, ahead of uh, everybody we've talked about except for Juju. So the, the breakout is already underway. Then they bring in Bruce Arians. Uh, he's, he's coached seven wide receiver ones in his career. He's coached nine other guys that were in that wide receiver 13 to 25 range. Four times in the past nine years of his coaching career he's had a pair of top 25 wide receivers so i'm definitely not worried about mike evans being there Uh, dan you mentioned uh, deshaun jackson gone adam humphreys is gone Uh, it's it's all systems go for for godwin as well i think he's a 10 Agreed. Yeah, I think he's going to break out. I mentioned I'm buying in hard to this Bruce Arian narratives and how it's going to affect Jameis Winston and that entire offense. So I I, I love it. Uh, buying him everywhere. I sold one share last year for like 107 in the in, at the end of the season, and I regret it already. So uh, keep your Godwin shares, guys. Let's go to Kenny Galladay. Uh, another. I, I mean, I guess we can say already say he already broke out two last year with a thousand yard over a thousand yards, five touchdowns, 119 targets. You know, a lot of that was after Jones was injured and Golden Tate went down. Uh, and honestly, he didn't handle a lot of that number one pressure too well when he was the only option out there. So I think he's really going to need Jones to come back. Uh, at wide receiver 13, all the way up, almost a wide receiver one in ADP, 32 overall for him. Uh, Dan, he, he felt kind of, he, he did get over a thousand yards, but it almost felt kind of quiet, you know, only 300 yard games, uh, five games of less than four catches. So the, the production wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't these big outbursts that we saw during his rookie year. So for me, I think for Galladay to break out, we're going to need some of these massive games that we really thought was going to, we're going to come in year two. Yeah. You stole the words from my lips there, Matt. It, it was quiet. It, it seemed like he just slowly walked his way up, but, but sometimes that means consistent. I mean, with the exception of a of a slow stretch in October, a couple games where he only had two targets, then one target, and then another another dud that he laid in week fourteen, he was relatively consistent. He he was he was uh, regularly between seven and fifteen targets. Uh, always had a had a good percentage of those catches, and uh, did make enough big plays that dynasty owners everywhere should feel really good about that upside to create those really big games. Now, that offense is the only thing holding me back from being just as excited about Galladay as I am about Chris Godwin and, and some of the other guys that we've talked about. It seems like Matt Patricia really wants to run the football. I don't know if he, he necessarily wants to put everything on Matt Stafford's arm and, and let him let loose, let Kenny Galladay streak downfield and make those big plays that we're all really yearning for, for him to take that leap into the that that top 12 or top 10, or maybe even a top five upside that some of us see with him. Uh, Considering that ADP and and where people are valuing him at already wide receiver 13, I think he's probably another guy that qualifies as already having had that, that breakout. Like you mentioned there, Matt, Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit lower than Godwin when it comes to Galladay. So if I give Godwin an eight, I'll give Galladay a seven. 
I pretty much agree with everything you said there about Galladay. Do have um, a few concerns that offense. It does look like they're going to be run heavy, um, and Galladay just wasn't the same after they traded Golden Tate last year. Uh, because when they made that move, the the it, you know the idea to most fantasy players were that's that's going to open up even more targets. You know, here we go, but. That wasn't the, wasn't really the case. In fact, it, it seems like he kind of slowed down as the season went along. He he missed the last week or two with a, uh, I think, a rib injury or a chest injury. He actually is still missing time because of that. He didn't participate in, in minicamp. So I, I'm honestly shocked to see him still at that wide receiver 13 range. In last September, he was wide receiver 42, after the way he started the season, big jump from wide receiver 42 to wide receiver 20 in October, another big jump in November to wide receiver 13. And then he's basically maintained that somewhere between 13 and 16 for the past uh, eight or nine months. And, and he's currently back up to wide receiver 13. So I don't feel like he's at his peak value right now, but that's that's what the ADP at least tells us. So um, I, I agree value wise and, and really, I guess, production wise, he is the uh, he's already broken out. I'm, I'm not going to give him a score, but I do feel a little more confident with Godwin overall. Which is weird because it's it seems unquestioned that Galladay is the number one, but 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 Godwin certainly is not with Mike Evans there. Um, these next four guys in the third round, we're going to move through real quickly. If you guys any have anything to say about them, please let me know. Otherwise, we'll move on. Chad Williams, you know, third coaching regime. I just going undrafted. I just don't see it for him. I liked them at the time, but just don't see it. Amara Darbo, interesting case last off season. You know, we we kind of thought that he might be that big bodied receiver that they were going to need, and then had a shoulder issue, and then got cut and went to the Patriots for a couple of weeks and then got failed the physical there and then back to the Seattle's IR. So, I mean, it seems like this is going to be his last opportunity to prove anything. And, and I guess with Doug Baldwin there, there's, there's a, without Doug Baldwin there, there's a chance for, for some kind of opportunity, but with that passing volume, it just doesn't seem likely. So he's probably done. And then two guys who are basically out of the NFL are Darius Stewart uh, had some trouble. You know, I, I thought he was kind of like an Anquan Bolden type player coming out, really liked him out of, out of Alabama, I believe. And then Carlos Henderson, you know, a few guys had him really high based on tackle breaking ability but he's in the cfl now so i'll throw it back to you first ryan if you have any thoughts on any of these these last guys in the third round no just just hurts to bring up our <laughs> darius stewart i was yeah i was a big fan of his um but as far as williams and, and darbo i mean there's already rumors that williams won't make the uh, won't make the arizona 53-man roster and uh, with the moves they've made in made this offseason to bring in some uh, some other wide receivers that wouldn't really be a surprise. I wouldn't mind seeing him get a uh, get a fresh start somewhere else. But uh, Darbo and and obviously the other two guys uh, just just kind of giving up on at this point. Yeah, there there isn't much to be mined with the rest of this third round. Uh, maybe there's something in the fourth round. Yeah, there might be. Let's look at that. Uh, we do have at least one guy here. Uh, I'm going to throw the two, the two of these guys together for you, just in the interest of time. Two guys that I think that are maybe the two that we should really talk about is D.D. Westbrook and Josh Reynolds up at the top of the fourth round with pick 110 and 117. Westbrook, we know the story is super talented, got in some trouble a little bit in college and, and, and kind of decreases draft stock a little bit along with some injuries. Only seven games this first year, 339 yards and a touchdown. Last year, kind of had a mini breakout. I don't know if we're going to call it a full-fledged breakout 
out, but over 100 targets, 66 catches, 717 yards, five touchdowns, also threw in almost 100 yards rushing, up to wide receiver 47, 102 in ADP. And then Josh Reynolds, who really kind of was a plug-and-play option for the Rams after Cooper Cup went down. Obviously, the offense wasn't quite as good with him in there as Cup was, but he was relatively productive in year two with 53 targets, 29 catches, 400 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, only wide receiver 90, uh, 218 overall. I kind of, I'm kind of a little bit interested in Reynolds, at least for the first part of the season, if, if Cup doesn't make it back and you know he could have a little bit of cheap production there. But uh, I'll throw it to you first, Ryan. You can ch- chat about Westbrook and Reynolds here. Sure. I think uh, Reynolds is pretty straightforward. I, I think this is fairly rare, but I think he's a wide receiver handcuff. Uh, he's he's the, the fourth guy on that depth chart pretty clearly. Uh, in my opinion, no chance to overtake any of those other three, but uh, we did see him produce uh, relatively well when Cup went out, as you said, Matt. So uh, if I've got deep rosters, especially if I have Cooper Cup, I'm going to try to grab Josh Reynolds. Uh, but otherwise, I just think that depth chart is is too tough for him to overcome. And then uh, Westbrook is a guy I, I haven't really been a big believer in. They do lose Moncrief, um, and, and they get the quarterback upgrade. They bring in the new offensive co- coordinator there. So th- things are certainly looking up for him. And uh, outside of the top 100 currently overall and, and the wide receiver 47, uh, certainly a fair price to pay and, and a, a chance you know, worth, worth the, taking the chance on him. Uh, I will say DD is a seven as far as that breakout. Man, you, you're really loose with that. Is that how you grade papers in your classroom, R- Ryan? You just, you just <laughs> giving out A's, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. Seven's a big number, man, That especially for DD Westbrook. He's, he's caught in Jacksonville there with a bunch of guys that are just like him, Marquise Lee and Keelan Cole and DJ Chark and – I think I think I might even be missing somebody there. Uh, plus, he's got Nick Foles as his quarterback, uh, a head coach or, or an offensive coaching staff at least that likes to run the ball, not throw it. It just doesn't seem like it's very likely that D.D. Westbrook takes another leap forward uh, better than what what he already did with those 717 yards and the, and the five touchdowns. So I, I don't know if I see any kind of breakout from him. He's a nice bench player, a guy that can fill in for you if you're stuck with a bunch of buys or have some injuries and need a flex player. But being anything more than that, I think it's relatively unlikely. I'm going to give him a four. As far as Josh Reynolds, I don't know if he's really difficult to give a grade to. And I guess you could say he had a breakout. As I like what you called him there, Ryan, the wide receiver handcuff. I think I think you hit it spot on. If, if you have a deep roster, he's a great bench player, guy to hold on to. Hope he gets an opportunity, and if he does, he's he's an excellent flex play week in and week out, just like he was late last season. Well, I think maybe our difference in in scoring goes back to the very beginning of the episode when we were trying to identify exactly what we consider a breakout. And I find myself, I don't know if I really said it very well then, but I find myself looking at their ADP, looking at how they're being valued now and thinking, can they outperform that? He's wide receiver 47. Can he outperform that uh, and significantly outperform that? If so, I'm, I'm considering that a breakout. So can he get into the, the you know, the wide receiver three range, 30, 30, uh, you know, wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 36. I think he probably can. He did last year. So that's kind of what I'm basing that on. 
Yeah, I, I fall closer to Ryan. I'm I'm a, maybe not excited is the wrong word, but I'm pretty optimistic about Westbrook, at least as the Jaguars wide receiver one. I think they got the quarterback upgrade, say whatever you will about Nick Foles, but I, I think it's better than what they had for sure. So uh, if he can stay healthy, then I, I think he could approach that, you know, maybe 900 to 1,000 yard range, something like that uh, in terms of yardage. Uh, and Reynolds, yeah, I, you guys said it, said it best, so I don't need to add anything there. Let's run through these rest of these guys real quick. I'll highlight a few. You guys can pick a few that you'd like to talk about. Uh, Matt Collins, also in the fourth round, pick 118. He, he had some flash plays this rookie season. We thought maybe he was going to emerge as kind of a, a deep threat, a bigger bodied receiver for the Eagles, but missed all of his second season with sports hernia surgery and still uh, not really quite back fully yet. Uh, currently going undrafted. Josh Malone, uh, you know, the Bengals buried on the depth chart. Liked him a long, long time ago also going undrafted Ryan Switzer with the with the Steelers now uh, just again seems buried with all these additions with between Moncrief and Washington and and drafting Deontay Thompson uh, so I just uh, I you know I don't know I just don't know I like this I like the player he seems like he could be a really good slot player for really any team but just don't see it there with the depth chart Jehu Chesson now on the the black hole of the Washington Redskins somehow drafted by the by the Kansas City Chiefs but didn't really last there. Chad Hansen, the Jets, uh, former former Cal alumni where I went to school, uh, was excited about him coming out. But again, kind of like our Darius Stewart, neither of the guys really panned out. He's been released by four teams currently, however, on the the Saints. So 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 maybe I guess uh, fifth rounders we got Shelton Gibson, Rodney Adams, Isaiah Ken- McKenzie made a little bit of noise last year. D'Angelo Yancey, eh, Trent Taylor, you know San Francisco kind of a, a a darling pick a little bit last year, but hasn't really shown up too much. And now he's got, he's, I think he's another guy that's probably buried. Sixth rounder, Robert Davis. Seventh rounder, Stacey Coley, David Moore, who made some noise for the Seahawks last year. Isaiah Ford, Noah Brown for the Cowboys, just can't stay healthy. And Malachi Dupree, another Packers washout, I guess. Uh, and then the the one the one UDFA that, I mean, he didn't really do anything last year, but his rookie season, he, um, he, he again made a little bit of noise as Keelan Cole. So out of these last uh, handful of guys, anyone you guys want to highlight? Highlight. We'll start with you, Ryan. Yeah, I think David Moore is certainly the most interesting. You talked earlier about uh, Darbo kind of disappointing there in Seattle and uh, the the opportunity that comes from the uh, Doug Baldwin injury. And, and David Moore really stepped up last year as a surprise player. So um, that's that's not really a, a passing offense I want to invest in, but uh, of, of these fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, these, these day three guys, I think he's certainly the most interesting. Yeah. He's the most interesting as you're going through those names, Matt, I just kept shaking my head because there are guys on that list that I have invested in, in the past and took flyers on that. I thought, you know, maybe a few years ago, I might've said, man, that's the guy that I'm picking in the, in the fourth round of a rookie draft or something like that. Matt Collins and Josh Malone are both on that list. Ryan Switzer as well. I kind of echo what what Ryan said, uh, if there's any any value to be had here, it's probably with more. Uh, maybe Keelan Cole is a guy that that has some type of chance to to make some kind of impact. Um, outside of that, a lot of a lot of washouts, as you said. Yeah, I, I, Isaiah Ford still makes me sad. I, I'm going to blame the Dolphins for his for his demise, but you know, uh, lineups and chill wants to know if he throws a birthday party. Can he hire Ardarius Stewart and Armara Darbo to come to his house? I think I think they might be up for that. Uh, They're probably <laughs> looking for work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, will Curtis Samuel get enough targets in Carolina to be a top twenty-four wide receiver from at day BC? Yeah, I think he can. As as I said, from 
week 12 to week 17 last year, he was the wide receiver 26. And now, uh, now Funchess is gone. I'm, I mean, I certainly don't think it's a, a lock, but I think the opportunity's there. I think it's probably more likely in a full PPR league than any other setup because you're looking at a guy that's running those underneath routes in an offense that likes to focus on that. So it's certainly possible. Um, he's going to have to get into the end zone a little bit like he did in his second season. I, you know, th- of course there's a chance, uh, probably a better chance than what I gave him when I graded him. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> somebody asked about Robert Foster. That's a year two wide receiver, so well, we won't we won't go there. Uh, Shane FF Monstar says, seeing how it's kind of a redo on his third season, do we want to include Geronimo Allison on this list? Well, let, let's just kick this one around the last few minutes. We'll, we'll go back to you, Dan, here. Is it going to be Allison? Is it going to be uh, MVS? Who, who's going to take that wide receiver two role in Green Bay? Well, I, I'm not sure, I guess, is the <laughs> – is the only answer I can give. Uh, there are things to like about Allison. He showed those early last season before the injury. Uh, he was he was pretty consistent. Caught a lot of passes. Caught most of the passes that were thrown his way. Never had that huge breakout game. But like I said, was consistent. Caught a touchdown every other game. Tried to come back uh, after the bye with the injury and just couldn't. Uh, re-aggravated that injury and was gone. Marquez Valdez-Scantling kind of took over, seemed to hit the rookie wall halfway or three-quarters of the way through the season. Uh, I, I think if I had to bet, if I if I had to take a guess at who's going to take over that role as the number two guy, it would be Marquez Valdez-Scantling because his athletic profile is just so much better than Geronimo Allison. Allison, however, does seem to have the eye of Aaron Rodgers. He's a guy that Rodgers seems to trust, and we all know that that goes a long ways in Green Bay. We'll see what happens. I think there's some dark horses in Green Bay as well, guys that are worth roster spots in deep leagues. Guys like Jake Kumaro and Equinemia St. Brown are both rosterable um, and, and have a chance. Anybody catching balls from Aaron Rodgers has a chance to be dynasty relevant. So uh, they're... There's probably something in Green Bay. I want the wide receiver, too, that's there. I just don't know who it's going to be. I feel like we're spending a lot of time, and maybe the the redraft community is spending even more time trying to figure out which one of those guys it will be. I'm just not sure it really matters, honestly. I, I, I don't see upside with either of those two guys long term. Uh, I think at best they're a wide receiver three uh, in any one season. So uh, my pick is MVS, but uh, I, I don't think either of those guys are going to be fantasy starters. Interesting. I think I think one of them will be, but like Dan said, I just think it's too hard to know. Uh, I, I think you can get both of them for pretty cheap still. So if you want to take a shot, maybe the best move is to go acquire both MVS and and Allison, and, and you probably have your bases covered. You know, it is likely, it is unlikely that one of those other guys could be that guy, especially Jamon Moore. Where did he go? Uh, but but yeah, uh, it, it's going to be really tough to predict before we see that see that offense on the field. So with that, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll chat with you next week. 